What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to The Brink, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Uber. It started as a drive-by idea by two tech entrepreneurs and quickly became a service that would have taxi drivers shaking their fists. But despite its speedy rise in popularity, not everything was a smooth ride. After eight years of cruising along with what seemed like only a few road hazards, they hit a massive pothole as a bunch of bad decisions and attitudes came to light. How did Uber avoid having its license revoked? Find out on Uber on the Brink. Hi, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And uh, this episode is uh, is one that um, I was eager to tackle. I mean, as always, Ariel did the lion's share of the research, but I've talked about Uber extensively on mm-hmm. my show Tech Stuff quite a bit because it's one of those tech companies that uh, manages to attract a lot of attention through both trying to be disruptive, in this case, disrupting the uh, the ride hailing services. Yes. And, uh, and even sort of the car buying market. Yeah. And then also it's being disruptive uh, in the sense that there were a whole bunch of real negative behaviors going on over at Uber for a long time. Yeah. But we didn't find out about a lot of them for a while. Yeah. I mean— I mean, they've had their struggles, and we'll and, talk about them. And but. the founder always kind of came across a little— Dude bro? A little dude bro. Yeah, a little frat boy. Um, th- this is not uh, meant to be a disparagement against all people who have joined fraternities or anything, but he was sort of in that stereotypical kind of alpha male sort of approach that can— can be a benefit to business, but can also really rub people the wrong way. Yeah, one of his cultural values while he was working at Uber was always be hustling. So I feel like that gives, and, and you can get, you can be, you can respect that to some extent. I mm-hmm. mean, the idea that you're always trying to go after the next big thing, and that way you're never complacent. But it, it's the way you do it that can really make or break uh, a company or or a person's reputation, as it as it were. Yeah. So let's talk about how Uber got started because just the origin story itself needs a little bit of uh, pe- peeling back the curtain. So the easiest story to find about the inception of Uber is that entrepreneurs Travis Kalanick and Garrett Camp founded UberCab in March 2009 after getting the idea in 2008 when they were both in Paris at a tech conference because they had a hard time finding a cab or a black car service. Yeah, that was that was the story that was always passed around was that the two of them just got into a conversation about the difficulties of hailing a cab in Paris 
and that led to them brainstorming up this this dream of Uber. Uh, however, there are other sources that have stated that this is sort of a romanticization mm-hmm. of its history, that Camp had actually been thinking about this kind of thing for a while, and Kalanick was kind of the business guy to pair up with Camp's tech side to yeah. make it a reality. So Camp started this business, you know, he bought the URL and all these other things, and then he brought Kalanick on as the chief incubator. So at the time, he wasn't the CEO. Yeah. And uh, he wouldn't even be the first CEO, and he was given 10% of the company's shares. Right. So he was he was owning 10% of the company in return. He was helping kind of fund the, the give sort of like an, almost like an angel investment at the beginning. Yeah. And then in 2010, Uber would hire its first official full-time employee. Yeah. And they did so through a tweet, which I think is interesting. They were like, hey, we need four business development sort of people. Yep. Tweet us. Ryan Graves responded, and uh, he was uh, starting off at a pretty low low uh, position on the totem pole, pole, you know, general manager for the business. It's not too bad. (laughs) It was me being facetious. (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, before long, he was essentially moved into the CEO role. Yeah, and he also got a 5 to 10% share of the company as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then— in June of 2010, so a year after they founded, a little over a year, they launched their service in San Francisco. Yeah, a uh, a pretty tech-heavy place, right? The mm-hmm. Silicon Valley area. And the initial version of Uber was a black car service, like a town car service. So, yeah, and you'd order it via text. Yeah, so you weren't, you weren't jumping in the back of someone's hybrid vehicle that would come later. Uh, it was more like an alternative to a limo service or a town car service and, yeah. and not, you know, they weren't even really thinking of it as ride sharing. Uh, that would become a term that Uber would use and other people would use to describe Uber. I've always maintained that it's misleading. I think of it as more of a ride well, hailing service. If, if you're talking about Uber pool, that's more of a ride sharing. Their, their carpool service they came up with later on. Yeah, yeah. That is 100% ride sharing. But- uh, in this case, their black car service took off really well. I mean, it was more expensive than a cab, but yeah. people liked the convenience. Mm-hmm. So by October of 2010, they had $1.25 million in funding. Yep. That would just be the beginning of many rounds of investment that would boost Uber's company valuation. And yeah. we'll, talk, we'll talk about a pretty impressive one a little later. Yeah, th- their valuation and their profits do not match up, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, but we've seen that before in some yeah. of the other episodes we've covered. Uh, some companies have received a truly enormous valuation without having yet proven they can generate a profit. Yeah, well, this is the first tiny little uh, speed bump that Uber hits because they were forced to change their name from UberCap to Uber when they got cease and desist requests from the San Francisco transportation regulators mm-hmm. because UberCab made them sound like a taxi service and they weren't following taxi regulations. It was kind of unfair to taxi drivers. Yeah. In fact, uh, this is an argument that taxi drivers have made in numerous markets where Uber has moved in saying it isn't fair because they're competing directly against us, but they don't have to follow the same rules we have to follow. Well, and a lot of cities do take that into account. For instance, at, at our airport in Atlanta— Uber drivers can't, or at least for a while, couldn't be in the taxi lane. They have You have to walk way down the way to get an Uber. Yeah, you can get dropped off. For a while, it was that you could only be dropped off at the airport. Now you can be dropped off and picked up. But as Ariel mentions, you have it's, to go it's a heck of a walk. way out into a parking <laughs> lot. And a lot of Uber drivers don't know where to go. But getting back to the history yes. here. So at 2010, at the end of that year, Ryan Graves would step down and uh, he would stay on with Uber, but he would no longer be CEO. And Kalanick would actually uh, move into the CEO role. Yes. So he went from chief incubator to chief egg operator. No. Yeah, chief egg operator. That's what CEO <laughs> means. So what happens next? Well, in February of 2011, they get more funding, $11 million worth. And that bumped their valuation up to $60 million. Mm-hmm. So still not... Anywhere close to unicorn status, but don't mm-hmm. worry, we'll get there. <laughs> they will. Yep. Uh, and they expanded into New York. Yeah, which really oh. is entrenched with taxi cabs. Yeah, so that went over real well. Yeah, it's— um, 
It's that, something they're still dealing with. But but you, they do still operate in the yeah. city. In fact, Lyft and and Uber both uh, operate within New York City. And uh, and we'll talk more about kind of the the differentiators. I think a little bit later because I've got some things to say about it. Uh, <laughs> positive things in general, not really for, uh, but we'll save that for later. We'll, we'll save it for later. Yeah. So in December of 2011, uh, they started to expand internationally, and they got. More funding. Yeah, another $32 million yeah, bucks. goodness gracious. And this is about the time that Uber decided they needed to start doing some goodwill initiatives. And they did this over the next several years, and I believe they're still doing it. So uh, things like c- clothing drives and animal shelter support, they did, they did one effort where they would bring kittens that needed adoption to various locations for people to pet. Yeah. Um, and adopt. And then they'd do things like bring meals to the needy and provide jobs for military personnel. So a lot of military personnel started driving for Uber mm-hmm. as a way of uh, extra income. And then in 2015, just to jump ahead a little bit, because it's pretty cool, they gave women free rides to vote in Saudi Arabia the year that women could vote. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you could argue that this is Uber either. If you're being an optimist, you're saying this is Uber saying, let's make a positive difference in the world. Mm-hmm. If you're being a pessimist, you're saying, we're facing a lot of resistance in new markets. So if we prove that we're a company that does good things, that'll help pave the way. You know, um, it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Because you, you do have to have that that business sense. All right. So 2012, then mm-hmm. that's when they added uh, a lower cost option to the standard Uber option, which was called Uber X. And this was one where you're getting essentially the driver's car, right? Mm-hmm. The, the drivers don't have to go out and buy or lease a town car. Now they can drive their own vehicle as long as it meets Uber's corporate standards. Yes. And uh, so it's less expensive. And also Uber's big competitor, Lyft, launched that year. And that's that's a whole other can of worms we won't super get into because we just don't have the time. But in doing the research, I was really surprised at both Lyft and Uber's sort of attitude towards each other, they would troll each other's... Oh, yeah. No, they they had scorched earth tactics against yeah. each other where, where they would have... I mean, there were documented cases of the employees of one company using the opposing company's service to call up a ride and, and then, then cancel it, which would take up a lot of the driver's time that they could be using giving people rides. But And you might be hurting the other company doing that, but you're more hurting... Your fellow man. Yeah, yeah. There were no. There were a lot of um. There were a lot of stories yeah. from that time about and, about some pretty underhanded behavior on both sides. And Kalanick outright admitted to trying to foil Lyft getting funding. So yeah, they yeah no, it got super ugly. Yeah. Uh, and 2013, they got a big boost in funding from Google Ventures that invested 258 million dollars in the company. That enormous sum, which then made the valuation skyrocket to $3.76 billion. So now you got a unicorn on your hands. Yep. Uh, And then they got into some trouble with the way they were trying to classify their drivers. Yeah, they had two different suits, uh, at least from what I read, of drivers who thought they should be labeled employees, not contractors. Yeah, this was a huge issue. Yeah, Uber's entire business structure was on just having all of these contractors working for them. And if these settlements went through, then they'd have to pay health benefits and all this other stuff they weren't set up to build. Uh, this this issue only recently got resolved and only kind of resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2019, they finally made their settlement. They tried to make one in 2016 and the judge denied it. Uh, but in 2019, they settled where drivers between 2009 and February 2019 uh, would get a payout mm-hmm. uh, to kind of make up for this. And then they also uh, revamped their regulations regarding hiring and firing because people also had issues with that because they're contractors. Not employees. Yeah, it, they were they were given— they were given sort of the short end of the stick mm-hmm. on both ends, right? Yeah. There was no long end of the stick at all. It was uh, all short ends. You know, and Uber was saying, oh, they want to be contractors because they want to be their own boss and pick their own times. And I know some people who do that. 
Mm-hmm. I know some retirees who love Uber because they can just drive for a few extra dollars when they want. Yeah. But I also know a lot of people who do it as income. Right. And they would order. like to have all the other things that come along with employment. Yeah. Yeah. So in April 2014, Uber was in 100 cities. And by July 2014, they got another round of funding, this time $1.2 billion in funding. So now their valuation is up to a 17 bill. And so in August, they would introduce the carpool service that Ariel was referring to earlier, Uber Pool. And yeah, things were on the up and up. This company was like, it was getting crazy numbers in investment mm-hmm. and valuation. They were not apparently operating at anything close to a profit yet, uh, a, a story that would continue throughout the history of Uber. Yes. But they were clearly dominating in a space despite not having a proven workable revenue model. Yeah, but then they hit another hurdle, and this is a hurdle, another hurdle that'll last a while because taxi driver strikes start happening and riots start happening, uh, largely internationally, because taxi drivers are unhappy that Again, Uber drivers don't have to follow the same regulations they do. I want to say one of them happened in Paris. Yes. Yeah, I remember reading about it. Uh, Yeah, and by 2015, Uber had expanded to 300 cities despite these sorts of demonstrations and riots. And they had uh, hit the milestone of having provided 1 billion rides by that point. Yeah, by the next year— only a half a year later, they hit 2 billion rides. Mm-hmm. So a benchmark that took them five years to hit doubled in just six months. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. It helped in large part by the fact that they were in so many more cities at yeah. that point. Yeah. And then in 2016, Uber launched their first self-driving cars in Pennsylvania as a as a part of a, a research into self-driving cars. Pittsburgh specifically. Yes. Uh, I was I was going to Pittsburgh shortly after they announced this, and I really wanted to ride in one. Yeah. It's one of those things where you had to opt into a special program in order to do yeah. it, and they had very limited routes that the self-driving cars yeah. would would go on. So, for example, if you needed to get all the way across the city, you couldn't use this service because they had a very limited range of operation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and they that was another issue of contention because they poached a whole bunch of Carnegie Mellon University scientists to yeah, work on that. Yeah, a lot of the folks who had been uh, who had been competing in the DARPA Grand Challenge. Yeah. And I'm would sorry, end up going over there, Carnegie. Yeah, um, <laughs> not not the Carnegie, not the Carnegie. 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 Yeah. I, my my extended family will smack me if I don't say it right. Uh, yeah. They also got another 3.5 billion dollars in funding from the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, uh, which was the largest individual, uh, at least one place I read, largest individual. Contribution, investment, yeah. investment, yeah, and then they got a leverage loan of one point one five billion dollars. So wait, they got three and a half billion dollars mm-hmm. in investment. Then they took out another loan for one point one five billion dollars. Yes. What was going on where they needed that much money? <laughs> so they were trying to move into China, and they had they had a um, another company in China that they were kind of fighting against, Didi, mm-hmm. and. There was just a whole bunch of back and forth in in trying to gain that market. So they they state that they were losing about a billion dollars a year trying to build up their China market. No wonder they needed so much money. If you're losing a billion a year, you gotta, and you're not making money off your your business, you definitely need more investment. Yeah, and that would resolve soon, but they were about to hit a lot bigger troubles, and we'll talk about that right after this quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay, so we just talked about how Uber was losing a billion a year because of this failed attempt to get mm-hmm. into China. And then you alluded to the fact that things were about to get worse. What do you mean by that? So the first thing is in July of 2016, they got in trouble about their background checks. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some drivers doing some shifty stuff or some— Yeah, some like outright stuff. criminal stuff. Yes, yes. Sometimes assault— Yes. On, on riders. It was it was a series of stories that came out around that time, and each one was felt like it was worse than the last one, and none of them were great. Um, and on top of that, they were in the middle of trying to resolve a couple of class action lawsuits, uh, and they ended up doing that, and it cost them $28.5 million to settle the two lawsuits. The lawsuits were brought uh, against Uber by a couple of lawyers who represented lots of different passengers. And the crux of the lawsuit was that Uber had been adding in a safe ride fee, kind of like a convenience fee on their services. Your safety shouldn't be... Extra? Extra. Yeah. <laughs> well, the idea was that they they were claiming that the company was doing much more extensive background checks on their drivers than competing services like taxicab services. The lawyer said, well, that's just not true. For one thing, you refuse to do fingerprint screening, which mm-hmm. is standard among taxicab companies, and you're not doing it for your drivers. And there, there are numerous reasons Uber has given for the fact that they didn't want to do fingerprint screening. At the but, time, I don't believe Lyft was either. No, no. In fact, that was a big issue why Uber and Lyft both left Austin, Texas. But mm-hmm. that's a different story. So anyway, they weren't doing fingerprint scanning, uh, screening. rather. So the lawyers said, you know, you're not, you cannot demonstrate that you're actually safer than any of these other companies. And yet you're making that claim and charging people for it. And so they took Uber to court Uber, I'm guessing the executives knew that there was no way that they could back up their claims, and so they chose to settle out of court, and that was where that $28.5 million would go mm. to. So, yikes. And so now they finally, after all that, or sort of at the same time as that, settle their China ordeal. They sell, merge, 
six of one, half a dozen of the other to Didi mm-hmm. uh, in a $35 billion deal. Mm-hmm. But it effectively me- meant that Uber was uh, getting out of China and mm-hmm. handing over its assets there to Didi instead. Yeah. In 2016, they had lost $3.8 billion. So I guess it is good they took that loan on top yeah. of that investment. Yeah. Now, I've, I've read some reports where they say Uber has yet to have a year where they turn a profit, but that's a lot of not profit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big deficit. So that's bad, but mm-hmm. that's only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah, the real trouble hit in 2017. Uh, first, when a bunch of Uber customers moved to stop using them, uh, there was actually a hashtag delete Uber mm-hmm. uh, because the taxi drivers, I think in New York, were striking basically because of the presidential ban and Uber was not. So they're viewed as scabs. (laughs) The the presidential ban was largely on who could come into the United States. Mm -hmm. And so taxi drivers sort of acting in solidarity said, all right, well, we're striking until that, uh, or we refuse to work essentially until that that decision is reversed. Uber and uh, other companies appeared to capitalize on that by still operating while all the taxi service was off. Yeah, and then on top of that, they got in trouble for taking commissions from their New York drivers because they were taking them pre-tax. Instead of post-tax. Instead of post-tax. And so that means they were kind of evading some taxes. Well, they were also kind of cheating their drivers. Yeah, collectively by hundreds of millions of dollars. Uber chalked it up to an accounting error and said they'd paid drivers back ASAP. Now, February 2017 is where this story gets super dark. Yes. Because this, so, the, I remember warning. this story really well because it was a truly enormous bombshell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a former employee of Uber, Susan Fowler, blogged a report about her time at Uber talking about poor work conditions, uh, citing that it was a sexist, hostile, offensive workplace, offensive to most people, that she had experienced sexual harassment and gender bias while working at the company. Uh, and this this blog post went viral. Mm-hmm. And then other people were emboldened to start sharing similar experiences. Yeah, so this this suddenly went from one person saying, here's what I experienced, to people saying, it's not just her experience. It's endemic to the corporate culture. It is a toxic corporate culture at Uber. Yes. Uh, and so the company went under investigation, internal investigation, led yeah. by Eric Holder. Yeah. So this was the company saying, you know what? We're going to uh, see if these claims have any merit. We're going to get a third-party investigator to look into it, and Eric Holder takes over. Uh, side note, this was one of the many big stories that would lead to the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And it also shined a, a, it would shine a spotlight on some truly awful company cultures. And Uber was not the only company to kind of not acknowledge the fact that this terrible stuff was going on and, and be complicit in allowing it to go on. Yeah. But while Uber wasn't the only company doing it, once you heard the whole Uber— Uber story, it, it sounded like it was the poster child for it. Yeah. Well, for example, their CEO and founder, Kalanick, got accused of sexist actions uh, in an interview to GQ when he was talking about his social life. They're saying, well, this your company's success must get you a lot of attention. And he joked and called it Boober. Yeah. And then also there were reports of him visiting a karaoke brothel with a bunch of employees on a business trip in 2014. Side note, didn't know karaoke brothels were a thing until that happened. I I did, but not from personal experience. Um, I, I just never would have paired karaoke with brothels unless Nintendo was behind it. But that's from the Nintendo story that yes, we did earlier. Yes. Uh, and then there's also video of him swearing at employees. Yeah, no, there were there was a famous one of him uh, cursing a one of his drivers, one of the Uber drivers. Yeah. And it was the Uber driver trying to talk to him about the conditions uh, for drivers in the company. And Kalanick kind of lost it on that. Um, yeah, it was it was a series of very not flattering uh, incidents. Yeah, and it wasn't just about him. Other other people, managers and employees, were under the gun as well. Yeah, yeah. So 
while while a lot of the focus was on Kalanick because people often will equate a company to its founder or one of its mm-hmm. founders, uh, this was clearly something that extended well beyond just his personal behavior. Yeah, and then on top of that, a few days later after all of this started happening, Uber got sued uh, because one of their employees, Anthony Lewandowski, uh, had worked for Waymo, which is the... Self-driving uh, car d- division of Google. Yeah. Uh, he used to work for them. He came over to Uber, and Waymo was saying that he had stolen thousands of self-driving techniques and secrets from them. Um, yeah. So, And that's not it. They were also under criminal investigation for using a technology called Grayball. Yeah. Yeah, that so so two things here. First of all, Lewandowski, the the charges against him, uh, that was really troubling. Uh, it looked like Lewandowski had left Waymo with a whole bunch of of uh, the cor- company's secrets mm-hmm. in his possession. He founded a company called Auto, which was brought over to Uber, and then eventually Lewandowski joined Uber. Then there were the allegations that he was using the information from Waymo to benefit a competitor, Uber. Then Uber launched an investigation to look into this. Lewandowski interfered with that investigation and thus was uh, fired from Uber. And then you had this Grayball scandal. Grayball is a technology that was meant to help Uber drivers evade police detection. And it was largely used in um, in cities where Uber could not get official permission to work there. Mm-hmm. And so these were cities where Uber was operating within the city without city approval. So I want to say Portland was one of them, but London was one where they were they were operating in London with permission, but they were using the, the technology to kind of circumvent the law. Mm-hmm. And it also was a way where if they identified someone as law enforcement and they tried to order an Uber sort of to prove that Uber was operating in an area they didn't have um, permission to be in. Mm -hmm. It would act like it had ordered a car, but no car would have been ordered. So on your app, it looks like a car is going to come and pick you up. So you're law law enforcement. You're just waiting for the car to come so you can say, gotcha. But no car comes because they've identified that you are law enforcement. So they've sent you a fake notification. So this was this kind of stuff. Like these are pretty shady business practices. And uh, on top of that, just for a, another little side note about Lewandowski, because this guy is a heck of a character. After he left Uber, or after he was forced to leave Uber, yeah, he got fired. He founded a religion called Way of the Future, and in his religion, he proposes that we, that eventually mankind will create a very intelligent AI, and we should just worship it. Sounds very Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy. To yeah, me. kind of deep thought. Yeah, sort of like that. And then uh, now he's currently working on a camera-based self-driving car system called Pronto AI for semi trucks. He was actually uh, banned from working on any lidar-based self-driving projects because that was what the the information that he was alleged to have stolen from Waymo mm-hmm. was related to lidar technology. Jeez. Well, all of this, all of this stuff came to light within four months. By June 6th of 2017, 20 employees had been fired uh, after 215 staff complaints had been investigated. Yeah, 20 employees is not a small number. I mean, a lot of—and some of those were, like, executives. Yes, yeah, not not contractors, employees. Yeah. Yeah, and and a lot of other employees left, too. Uh, because they didn't want to be associated with the company anymore. I don't I don't blame them in light of all of that news. Yeah, and it gets worse. Uh, so on June 7th, this is a, I, I hate talking about this one. If the other stuff wasn't trigger warning This is serious trigger warning. This is warning. trigger warning. Uh, so Eric Alexander is an executive who, he was alleged to have acquired the records of a passenger who had accused her driver of raping her. Uh, This was happening in India. And he got hold of her medical records and then showed them to Kalanick and uh, the chief business officer, Emil Michael, which is totally not legal at all. No, no. And so he was fired. And then shortly thereafter, so he's fired on June 7th. By June 12th, Emil Michael was also out of the company. Yeah. And the passenger would go on to sue Uber. She sued Uber when the incident first happened. Mm. And then again, when they got her medical records. 
Man. So June 12th, Emil Michael is out. What happens on June 13th? Well, Eric Holder's report comes out. So, man, Uber is on the ropes. Yeah, yeah. He gave them a whole bunch, like a slew of recommendations on how to improve the company. Yeah, essentially saying like, you guys are a total shambles. You need to to straighten up. Yeah, among his recommendations were to reduce Kalanick's responsibilities in the company. Yikes. Yeah, and to create an oversight committee, which seems a wise decision when you're operating in so many cities, honestly. Oh, yeah. At that time, Kalanick took indefinite leave. Yes, to work on his, you know, himself. He needs some me time. But he did also have a family tragedy. This is true. So his family got into a boating accident. His mom died. His dad was seriously hospitalized. So very unfortunate timing, very unfortunate circumstances. But it was in light of all of these other transgressions. Uh And another person was let go. David Bonderman, who was a board member, got let go for making sexist remarks during a board meeting. Which... Come on. I mean, this report just came out. Why are you doing this? It's so dumb. Yeah. So, yeah. And Kalanick, uh, you know, personal tragedies aside, like I said, had a, had a reputation for being aggressive, controversial, confrontational. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I thought was really weird about Kalanick, just weird about Uber in general, and something that's still kind of going on. We talked about earlier how Uber launched a, a self-driving car uh, pilot I yeah. guess a pilotless program <laughs> in Pittsburgh. They also did one in Arizona for a while. They had pilots in the passenger seats. Yes. But the fact that they were testing this and that Kalanick was so gung-ho on going with an autonomous car approach, because if your company is currently employing and depending upon thousands of human drivers, going on record as saying, man, I can't wait to get rid of all of them and have robot cars – and it was largely because of it would make it not just more efficient, but more – the Uber would get to keep more of the money, right? Because they wouldn't have drivers to pay. I mean, he said that it would also mean that the rides would be less expensive for the consumer. Yeah, that's but, maybe maybe true. But, I mean, like, if you're a driver, that's got to be damaging your morale. Yeah. Like, wow, I'm working for a company that has literally gone on record saying they can't wait to replace me with a robot. Yeah. Well, the drivers that did stick around were looking at a little bit of hope. Uh, Holder's report led to an initiative called the 180 Days of Change. Yep. And a couple of the first changes they made were to uh, up their diversity efforts. Yep. And then also to allow tipping to drivers via the Uber app, which is something people had been pushing for for a really long time. At least drivers had been. Yeah, and that was something that I always preferred Lyft to Uber for because Lyft had the option to tip way earlier than Uber did. Yeah. And I always felt that it was something that needed to be in the Uber app. That was one of the many reasons why uh, I stopped using Uber and switched almost exclusively to Lyft. And that's true to this day. If I I'm in a region that only has Uber than, I mean, I still have an Uber account. I just mm-hmm. hardly ever use it. I'm more likely to use Lyft. Not that I think Lyft is necessarily a billion times more ethical a company than Uber, <laughs> but I think it gets the edge. A, a little bit. Uh, on June 14th, uh, the FTC starts investigating Uber's privacy policies. Mm-hmm. And then on the 21st, Kalnick would officially resign as CEO. He did remain on the board. Uh, that was contentious. Yeah. Not everyone on the board wanted him to stay there. Yeah, not not a surprise. Yeah. And uh, five of the major shareholders had essentially strong-armed the company so that Kalanick would resign. Yeah. Like it was essentially resign or the board fires you. Now, at the time he resigned, it should be noted that Uber was doing really good. They were in 600 cities internationally and were valued around $70 billion. Yeah. And Two months after Kalanick resigned, Mm -hmm. he was replaced by the former CEO of Expedia, Mm -hmm. Dara Khosrowshahi. Yeah. Khosrowshahi actually acknowledged the magnitude of the task that was ahead of Uber. He, He was not shy in saying, this is going to require an enormous amount of work to fix mm-hmm. what is wrong here. He he was quick to acknowledge the problems. Like he wasn't 
a lot of people, when they run a company, they do kind of a shuffle game where they try to hide the weaknesses of the company, especially because if it's a publicly traded company, you've got shareholders yeah, you're worried about. Uber was not yet. Nope. So he was taking the the idea that, you know, we need to be transparent. We need to acknowledge that there are problems that we have to solve and be uh, and make it clear that we're committed to fixing those problems. Yeah, but he didn't even know how much trouble they were in because— a couple months later, in October of 2017, gosh, not a good year for them, mm-hmm. Uber lost their license to operate in London. Yeah, this was, uh, again, another kind of thing where the city felt that Uber's operating practices were unethical and, yeah. and illegal. Essentially, they said, we're, we're not going to renew it. They, did, they didn't yeah. cancel it. So Uber was still allowed to operate there until their license expired. But then they were told, we're not going to renew it until it's demonstrated that you are going to operate within the boundaries of law. Yeah, and it it did get overturned a year later after Dara had done a lot of this work to turn the company around. Mm -hmm. But rough. Yeah. So 2017 finally comes to a close. What was the total amount of damage done that year? A loss of $4.5 billion. And this time they didn't have China to blame for it. So, yikes. Well, we're not done just yet. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what has happened since this disastrous couple of years for Uber. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. So the new CEO comes in and starts immediately talking about some of the initiatives they want to take to fix things, including uh, really listening to people who had had criticisms against the company mm-hmm. to figure out which ones have merit and what they could do to to address them. Yeah, he also hired a chief diversity and inclusion officer and a COO, which had 
been on the on the books for a while to do. He took Uber's 14 cultural values and turned them into cultural norms. Less always be hustling and more like respect your fellow man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, going away from that that like super aggressive startup mentality and going into more of a we've grown a great deal. Now we have to behave like a big company, not like some sort of scrappy startup. Yeah. And then he started fixing a bunch of the other problems. So he worked towards settling the lawsuit with Waymo. Mm -hmm. He started plans for going public in 2019. He met with regulators to try to smooth over those relations. He got funding with SoftBank, which would had been another thing that had been in the works, $9.3 billion that, of funding. Yeah, pretty extensive amount of funding there. Yeah. Uh, but he also had, you know, yet more hurdles to try and overcome, uh, some of which had already happened in the past but had not become public knowledge, a big one being that there was a data breach in October 2016. Hackers had stolen a lot of information from riders and with and drivers for Uber. And according to Dara, the whole thing was kept quiet and and a lot of the Uber executives who were there at the time when it happened mm -hmm. just, you know, failed to acknowledge the fact that that had happened until he found out about it uh, some other way. Yeah. Um, and they had, you know, ups and downs. In, in May of 2018, they started providing health benefits to their European drivers mm -hmm. and couriers. Limited. Talking about maybe expanding it later. In July of 2018, they expanded to bikes and scooters. So mm -hmm. yeah, so that's <laughs> a bane of Jonathan's existence. Gosh, you know, it, just walking home is so hard without getting run down. Yeah, and then also in July, Uber came back under investigation by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Uh, executives weren't being kind or generous to employees. Mm -hmm. For instance, the the head of HR, Leanne Hornsey, got in trouble for dismissing people's concerns and also talking poorly to people. You're the head of HR. Yeah, not a great look. I mean, it's making me think of, it, it's like the Drew Carey show. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to you wanna have someone who's actually, you know, doing the opposite of, mm -hmm. of committing HR violations when they're head of HR. Yeah, and there was an investigation into her and she left. The COO, Barney Hartford, also got in trouble, but he apologized. He says, thank you for bringing these things to my attention. I didn't realize I was doing this. Let me change. I want to rectify my behavior. And he was allowed to stay. Mm -hmm. Again, not everybody was happy with that decision. Meanwhile, Dara was saying that, you know, if I could go back, I would ramp up the changes even more than I did. That yeah. I, I, would, I would have been even more aggressive in trying to address the gaping problems in corporate culture at Uber, that it's not that he regretted what he did. He just felt that perhaps he should have done more faster. Yeah, although he does admit that this is this initiative to improve employee culture and company culture, it's never going to be over. No. For one thing, you know, as we grow in awareness, we realize, oh, we were doing really well in this one area, but we're lagging behind in this other one. And it means that you're constantly trying to tweak things so that everybody is getting a fair shake. And that that that's an ongoing thing. Yeah. There are a couple of fun things, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, less negative things, I should say, Yeah, that we can talk about real quick. In August 2018, Uber was valued at $72 billion, so $2 billion more, after a $500 million partnership with Toyota. Yeah, continuing their work and trying to, to build autonomous mm -hmm. cars. And then in April of 2019, Uber finally filed to go public. Yeah, and just in full disclosure, we're recording this at the very end of April 2019. Yes. So, so it was pretty darn recent as of the recording recent. this podcast. Yeah, um, at the time, they were valued over $100 billion. Yeah, so they hit that mega Uber super duper unicorn status. Yeah, and, and some, some investors were wary about this going public because, again— According to the star.com, at least, Uber has never reported a profit. Yeah, to this day. Yeah, but that's not really Uber's goal. According to Dara, they want to be the Amazon of transportation. So I guess once you're the only game in town, you can't help but make money. Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, that that's, you know, kind of the story of Uber as it stands now. It's a company that was very nearly brought down 
because of the behaviors of one of its founders as well as the corporate culture that he helped usher in, one that was remarkably unfair and gross. Yeah, and while Uber has had some troubles since that time, it looks like they're they're really making an effort to yeah. be a better company. It's a sincere so. effort. It looks it, it very much feels like it's a sincere effort. There've been some backpedaling, there's been some missteps, but on the whole, I feel like there's a genuine desire to improve, which is that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not a full Uber ride, but it goes a long not way. Not a full, like a half. Like yeah. drop, drop me off at the curb level. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, in you know another few years, we'll be able to talk about Uber's grand rise and return. Yeah, and, and hopefully, it'll be a really positive story yes. about you know being a leader in the space for diversity, inclusion, fairness to employees. You know, essentially. A, a complete reversal from what the earlier years were. Yes. That's what we would like to see. So we're hoping for that. And then we can talk about how Uber was on the brink of greatness and then exploded, exploded. to it instead of being on the brink of total annihilation and then and then slowly climbing its way yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, if people want to reach us and suggest other companies that we should cover on this podcast, how might they do that, Ariel? Well, they can email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. Or you can pop on over to our website. That's at www.thebrinkpodcast.show. There you're going to find bios of me and of Ariel. You'll find an archive of all the past episodes and more. So go check that out. And until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I've been Ariel Kasten. The Brink is a production of iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.